Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. Today's edition is a mini cast. Well, maybe a mini cast, because when you get Stu and I talking about the Fast and Furious saga, we can run long. So who knows? Maybe it'll be a full episode. But for this installment, we will be talking only the Fast and Furious saga, and specifically the new film, The Fate of the Furious which recently, I believe, set the record, the worldwide box office record for biggest opening weekend, proving that this franchise, despite losing Paul Walker, is still going strong. Uh, Stu, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, as always. As always, you're very welcome. Now, we could sit here and give our mini-reviews of the movie. We could talk about what its strengths and weaknesses. We could talk about... The action scenes, but you know what? Fuck all that. Let's talk about what's really important, Stu. Does this movie sully the good memory of Han? You know, it's it's one of those things that I kind of go back and forth on. This whole series is so silly. If it were a if it were a more serious series, like if it if it took itself more seriously, right. Uh, it, it might bother me. And I get why some people are upset by this. But I'm not for some reason. Like, it's just, it, it just doesn't really, uh, hit me that way. For I any mean, maybe I, maybe I should be more mad about this, but, you know, once, once you realize that, that you know, <laughs> I mean, number one, these are all horrible people, really, when it comes down to it. They're all thieves and criminals and murderers. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's not, I mean, like, Okay, so, I mean, yeah, it kind of violates the concept of family or whatever, but, I mean, that's what Deckard Shaw was doing. He was, he was defending the honor of his family. I mean, you know, these are criminals after all, and he is a decorated British spy. Uh, <laughs> Which is just, you know, so transparent of a retcon. Well, like, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. But, I mean, so is, <laughs> I mean, so are so many other things in this whole ridiculous soap opera. Uh, drag race for um for friends of ours or friends of the site or readers of the site who maybe are only casual fast and furious fans and have decided to listen anyway spoilers be damned explain why the internet is very angry about what's happened in regards to han okay so the internet is angry because the one enduring theme of this entire series is that of of family familial loyalty um you know these are all caricatures, you know, they're not deep characters, but, no. uh, <laughs> and not by any stretch of the means, uh, of the imagination, but, uh, but they're loyal to each other. They, they really have built this, uh, enduring family. They, you, you care about these characters because they care about each other. Uh, and that is carried through, uh, you know, each of these movies. Like literally every film ends with like a family barbecue. Right, the only one, the only one that does well. There's two that don't. Well, most uh, of them do. Too too fast and Tokyo Drift don't. But every 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 movie that has like the full lineup, more or less, mm. uh, from Fast Five on, basically. Right. So yeah, so you know, it's it's family. It's it's loyalty to family. It's standing up with the people that you love, defending them, defending them, defending their lives. Uh, and that you know that has just that's been. The cornerstone. Um, and, and it's why so, people love these movies. It's why we love these right. movies. One of the reasons. Right. Uh, so Han, played by the inimitable Sung Kang, who's uh, just a, a great actor. He's great in the part. He's just cool. Cool as uh, shit. Yeah. Just, so a, just cool. a, just a cool guy. And, you know, he brings a, he really adds a, a great flavor, 
Uh, he's, every time he's on, he's so every time cool, he's on screen. He's so cool that when he dies at the end of Tokyo Drift, they decided to make the next like three movies prequels and brought him back anyway. Right. That's how he's, cool Han he's is. so good. Right. That's that's how great this uh, this guy and this character is. Right, right. Uh, so at the end, so in Tokyo Drift, uh, you find out that uh, Han has been skimming off the top from a Yakuza, uh, actually the grandson of a of a Yakuza boss. You are really doing a deep dive here, but I don't mind. Keep going, my man. Right. Well, there's a lot of context here, and that's part of what's amazing. I mean, there is there's always going to be a lot of context with an eight movie series. <laughs> Correct. And so, so Han, you know, so Han and uh, Han is on the run in this amazing car chase through the streets of Tokyo, uh, which I found out watching the commentary for uh, side note, uh, I was watching the uh, Tokyo Drift commentary. Uh, that chase through Tokyo was not through Tokyo at all. They did not film that in Tokyo. They filmed that in downtown LA. Interesting. If that chase uh, would be done now, they would do it in Tokyo. If it was in fast right. nine, they would have the money for it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so Han, uh, in the middle of that uh, chase scene, he's you know drifting wildly through this intersection, and then bam, just gets sideswiped by this Mercedes Benz. Uh, you know, and you see him hanging on to life, and he's as his car is overturned, uh, and as Lucas Black runs up to the car, it, it explodes, and you think, well, that's the end of Han. Uh, only you find out at the very end of uh furious six that it was not just some random uh, traffic accident it was jason statham who is the older pissed off older brother uh he's deckard shaw he's the pissed off older brother of owen shaw the, dun, dun, dun. it was uh, murder the entirety of, of furious six and he is out to uh avenge his brother who has been put into a coma by dom and crew <laughs> god i love these movies <laughs> it's, amazing. it's it's the greatest soap opera ever. It, it really is. Uh, and so okay, so Jason Statham's character killed Han, a member of the fam. Right, he killed Han just straight up. I mean, just no no straight bones up about murder. It. Yeah, just kills him. Uh, and he's uh, he's coming after uh, Dom and the rest of his crew because they went after his family. And so that's you know that was part of what made. Uh, Fast and Furious 7 is so interesting is because Deckard Shaw is like, you know, he was presented as this kind of dark mirror to uh, Dom and his and his crew because it's like, okay, you messed with my family. Now I'm coming after your family. Right. So bringing us to the Fate <laughs> the of the fate, Furious, our the latest installment. Right. So seven part seven ended with Deckard Shaw uh, being uh, imprisoned in this impenetrable Cell. And his brother's still in a coma. Right, his brother's still in a coma, and you think he's never getting <laughs> I repeat, God, I love the series. Right. However, there is only one person that seems able to track Dominic Toretto, no matter where he goes on the planet, and that is Deckard Shaw. Well, two people, him and Hobbs, the Rock. Right. <laughs> which is why they must team up, Stu. Right. Please continue. So now, so now that Dom has gone rogue... They are in desperate need of someone who can quickly find Dom and help take him down. And who would so, that be? Who would they get? That would be Deckard Shaw. They would get Jason so, Statham. Right, Jason Statham. Right, it's, you know, he's not Deckard Shaw. He's playing Jason Statham. Right. I mean, there's there's not really a character here. He's, he's Jason Statham. Right. Uh, the Rock plays part- The Rock. Vin Diesel plays Vin Diesel. I'm not calling anybody by their character names in this movie. Right. Maybe well, Lenny. Vin, Di- Vin Diesel plays Vin Diesel as Vin Diesel would like to be. <laughs> it's like Vin's idealized version of himself. 
Right. I mean, that that's pretty much Dom here. Um, okay. And so uh, there's a little bit of protestation at first, uh, both from bit. The Rock and the rest of the crew. Mostly from The Rock. But you never, like, nobody ever straight up says, this guy killed Han, we can't let him on the team. And in fact, most of the time, it seems like The Rock is more upset than anybody else, even though we didn't really know Han, didn't, you know, right. I mean, it's not like Shaw killed any of, you know, The Rock's crew or anything. Right. I don't know. He didn't kill Eva Mendez or... Right. right. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, now you have, and again, big spoilers for the ending. Uh, so not only does he team up with, uh, the rest of Dom's crew, he effectively joins the crew because he's sitting at the barbecue table at the end of the movie. He, he's there to bring Dom his kid, but he's there and no one's thrown him out on his ass. He seems to be fairly welcome. Right. So, uh, and the internet is outraged every now, day. Film Twitter is fighting <laughs> over this and at least half cannot tolerate this. It's a line in the sand for them. Well, and there's a hashtag justice for Han. Right. If it's uh, trending, we know it's an issue. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, it's, but see, part of why I'm not upset about this in, you know, at least in, in partiality, uh, is, the movie kind of sets this up at the beginning, you know, with the whole drag race, uh, with the guy in Cuba, uh, who's you know, forgiveness is a theme. You, you, Dom doesn't want to eradicate people or destroy people. He wants to make them better people. Right. He, he wants to make them better people. And it's, and it's kind of like, you know, keep your enemies, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, you know, earn someone's respect, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll have them in your pocket essentially for later. So in some ways this could almost be a cynical move by Dom, uh, you know, to kind of have Deckard Shaw in his back pocket, uh, you know, should he need uh, that Trump card as it were later. Uh, but it doesn't, but it doesn't even seem that, that shrewd of a move. It's literally just, nah, man, you, you helped save my family. You helped save my kid. And so your family now, it really does seem as simple as that. Here's why it doesn't bother me. It's because all of these movies are ridiculous. It's because all of these movies have outlandish plot lines. It's because all of these movies are thin on character motivation. It doesn't bother me. That's been how the series rolls. And it just blows my mind that people are angry about this now. I mean, we literally went through like a two or three movie saga where Letty was dead. No, Letty's actually still alive. No, Letty has amnesia. Uh, Letty's going to be with Dom again, even though she doesn't remember him. Who cares? They're soulmates. I mean, there's tons of preposterous stuff that's happened in the series. And people are going to draw the line over them welcoming Jason Statham into the family? No, that's not where you draw the line, especially since there are real-world sort of consequences to think about here, which is that Jason Statham is the best part of this newest movie. That's kind of got to be considered. Jason Statham was accepted and forgiven because Jason Statham needs to keep being in these movies. That It's as simple as that. I, I said in my review, with Paul Walker gone, there's a little bit of a void. I I think it's very iffy whether The Rock's going to come back. We need to have I don't Jason. think he'll be back. I don't think The Rock's uh, going to be back either. We have to have Statham around. And you can't keep repeating them, repeating him as a bad guy, especially since they have Cypher, Charlize Theron's character, set up to be a multi-film villain. So what else well, can you do? Scott Eastwood certainly isn't going to cut it as the, uh, you know, the pretty white boy. Don't even the... get me fucking started on Scott Eastwood. How well, is Lucas Black not in this movie, but Scott Eastwood is? How? Well, 
Lucas Black wasn't in the he was supposed to be, but because uh because NCIS New Orleans is a hit, uh he couldn't get time away. Are we sure that's what it was? I've never seen yeah. him say no, it was sure. ske- no, scheduling conflicts. Well that sucks. And no one cares really about NCIS whatever. It would have been so much more fun having him there instead of Scott Eastwood being useless. Oh and it would have made like, like literally put him in the same role. Like it would have made no sense at all that Kurt Russell, Mr. Nobody, which is a dumb name, by the way, but we'll roll with it. It would make no sense that Kurt Russell somehow hires Lucas Black's character to be his, like, secret agency underling. But again, who cares? We would oh, all have accepted yeah. it. We would have he all would... rolled with it. First of all, what does Mr. Nobody need with, need with like, a protege? Right. Uh, it's just kind of pointless and dumb. Uh, you know, so and it's not like, it's not like Eastwood's character did anything... No. That was like pertinent to the, you know, to that that it job. Was, it was just like, oh yeah, Paul Walker's dead. We need a lame white boy in this movie. Right, lame white Only, boy quote in his film. Like it's it, bad. It really, like the movie gets along perfectly fine without Paul Walker, but it really like it wasn't until the end where I was like, man, I really miss him. Like he just he brought a lot of heart to that role, and by extension, the rest of the movie. Like you, I, like I, I never thought Paul Walker was good in these movies, but it's clearly a different beast with him not in them. It it really is. He's good, but he's he's not good, but he was he was good at it. Like there are be- there are better actors, and somebody probably you know would have done a better job acting, but he like he he invested in himself. He he believed in that character. It's almost akin to Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Like Mark Hamill isn't that great of an actor. But he fur- he fully believes in Luke Skywalker, and I so will because say that he- Hamill gets better as the original Star Wars movies go along, which Paul he- Walker really never did. But uh, but I can I see will- the comparison. I I will wholly agree to that, and and I love Mark Hamill's voice work. I mean, he's good an actor in certain things, but he's not that great of an actor in the first Star Wars movie, even though he's perfect for it. Because again, he uh, believes in it, like he <laughs> buys into the. Where's Paul Walker? Perfectly inhabits these sort of airheaded sort yeah. of street yeah, exactly. racer the fbi agent who's a little who's a little slower he was exactly, than he was exactly what that part called for he was fine it's i i like and we'll get we'll go ahead and get into how we felt about the movie i didn't like fate of the furious as much as i liked the three preceding ones but i thought it was good enough that i'm convinced that the series can go on without paul walker it's fine yeah it can uh i would prefer it to have you know well sure included him obviously but yeah no it's fine uh, I think the the film's biggest flaw, and I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I, you know, Fast Five is still at the very top. Yes, I, I'd tie it with Seven probably. Uh, you know, like my okay. ranking of the the top half of the series would probably go like Fast Five, and then Tokyo Drift, uh, Part Six, and then Seven and Eight are tied for fourth place. Okay. What what really my order would be different, but those are definitely the best. The ones you just named named are the good ones. Oh yeah, definitely. I I think what really needs to happen is they really need to kind of they need to give people more stuff to do. Either that or call the cast a little bit. Like I don't really I she needs to be there because without Jordana Brewster there it just turns into more of a sausage fest. Um but Natalie Emanuel was just really useless in this movie. Oh, like yeah. she had it's she bad. had that one hacking scene where she basically just, you know, pissed off uh, Cypher, and then that was it. Um, Here's what's dumb. But, they already have a hacker 
Tej has already done all the in the past has done like the technical stuff and the hacking stuff, right. correct? So it's a little bit repetitive to bring another sort of smarter hackery type character on. Any of the ha- and then again, I I do not want hacking in my Fast and Furious movies. There's too much of it, and then they made the main villain a hacker in this movie. We don't need more hacking. Anytime anybody was sitting at a computer in this movie, I felt my eyelids start to droop down. There's like a sequence where Natalie Emmanuel and Shalise Theron are like trying to out hack each other. They're like trying right, to like break it each other's systems. Oh yeah, and it's literally like just cutting back and forth to them banging on a keyboard, and it's so lame. It, well, and it's literally just yes, no, yes, no. Right. I mean, that's basically what. The, I mean, there's exchanges. nothing. There, there's nothing exciting happening on screen. It's literally just people punching on their keyboards with no context for what's happening. It's just a. Right. It's just a dumb version of what Hollywood thinks hacking looks like. And you know, Natalie Emmanuel. She, I mean, she's pleasant. She's good on Game of Thrones. She's obviously gorgeous. But I agree, we don't need her around. We we really don't. You know, so they they need to, yeah. They, and they need maybe, to, I understand about keeping strong female characters, and maybe that was some of the thought of making Charlize Theron the villain in this movie and having her live so that she can show back up. But I was not blown away by Charlize in this film either. How about you? Well, because she's, uh, she's, I mean, okay. she's fine. She's okay. She's fine. But the the part is under is underwritten. Yes. Uh, she mostly just kind of stands in command rooms or and sits at a computer. Right. Fake hacking. Right. How do you how do you hire Furiosa for your car movie <laughs> and then not have her get it's, behind the wheel of a vehicle? Asinine. Ever? Like how do you do that? I don't under. I literally do not understand. Like it'd be one thing if this like filmed, you know, right after Mad Max Fury Road had come out. Um, you know, but I mean every single headline was Fast and Furiosa whenever it was announced that she was cast. And so it's like, I just, I don't get it. She should have been the same character, but like driving around in like a high tech car, like Jackie Chan and Cannonball Run that like has all these cool, neat, almost a James Bond type of vehicle. I'd be down with that. There should have been a, a point during the New York sequence where she's in a car, like monitoring the situation. And then like Dom tries to escape and she's like in pursuit. Yeah. Like that, that should have been her big set piece right there. And that could have used it anyway, as we've, me and you have talked about online. I am not a big fan of the New York section of this movie. And I think part of it's because the trailer gave away the, uh, the, the gag of her hacking all the cars. The zombie cars. The zombie cars. I think the zombie cars would have been a jaw dropping, uh, turn of events had we been discovering that in the theater. I think the trailers for this movie gave way too much away. I was really surprised at how much they gave away. It was a lot. I mean, they it, pretty it much really hide. Was. They hide the fact that Dom has a kid. Uh, they hide the cameos, which there are many, but everything else is pretty much out there. The action sequences, too, giving away too much. And the thing is, is the zombie cars aren't like some big part of the movie. I mean, it's like one sequence. It's not like the entire movie's built around her ability to hack nav well, and systems. It's, and on it's vehicles. not even it's not even the entire New York sequence. It's right. just like it's, one part just, of that entire right, it's thing. Like one bit. It, I, I feel. I realize. I, I won't often dock a movie because its trailer gave too much away. Because it doesn't change the movie after all. But in this no. case, I think that sequence would have been much better served had the zombie cars been a surprise sitting in the theater. I think it actually hurt the film. And I, no, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that sequence anyway. Like Dom with the with the mask like cutting into the car and stuff. I don't know. I was right. kind of bored by a lot of that. 
I thought the the submarine action sequence and all the stuff at the end was leagues better than I see I I agree that it's better, but I still like the New York sequence. And even even having seen the zombie cars thing in the trailer, it's still a great uh moment whenever that just chaos erupts because there's really never been anything like that in an action movie before. Like that's still yeah, a pretty unique a pretty unique thing. As far as the um, big picture action sequences, I mean, there are definitely ones I like better. Uh, obviously, the end of Fast Five with them pulling the vault through the streets is probably the best large-scale action sequence in the saga. And I also, see, that, like, is it Furious 7 where they're in the cars going down the hills through the woods? That's 7, right? Yeah, where that's 7. Where they parachute out. That's, that's like almost Spielberg, Indiana Jones level, as the quality of that action sequence. I don't think any of the big-scale action sequences in Fate of the Furious reach those heights. Now, small-scale, we could talk about Jason Statham with the baby, which is amazing. That whole kind of hard-boiled homage going on there. And it's also intercut with some of the other stuff going on, so I'm not sure. Well, first of all, we have the big surprise introduction of Luke Evans coming back to the series, which I got to see a screening surrounded by Fast and Furious nuts, and people went apeshit when Luke Evans showed up. Luke Evans! Only in this series can that happen. Right. Well, and that was one of the things that kind of disappointed me is that, like, I wish that they had um, had a little bit more of him in there. Yeah. Um, well, it's like he kind of disappears. You could tell they only had him for so many days because, like, he comes for his big intro and then he, like, takes over the cockpit and then he just vanishes for, like, 20 minutes where you assume he's in the cockpit keeping control of the plane. But right. he's not really in it. But that's when Statham's going around. It's basically like Statham playing a level of Rainbow Six in an airplane with a baby. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love Jason Statham in this movie so much, too. He's a, he's a lot of fun, and you you are reminded of uh, the comedy chops that he has. Yes. Uh, which is something that you don't uh, we don't really get a whole lot of anymore, at least not since the Crank movies. Right. Uh, but he's really funny. It, it's just it's just a fun. It's just it's bombastic. Uh, in all the best ways. Just the whole movie. This is like my favorite Statham movie since like Snatch. Like seriously, like all really? his. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I was never the biggest Statham fan. I've seen a couple of the Transporters. They were okay. Um, Transporter Two is still just a a delightfully silly action movie. I mean, it's just like I I love Transporter Two. I never saw Crank. Uh, I know people like really. The, I never saw Crank. I know that's the one people like, right? You need to you need to watch Crank. The Expendables, Crank, I don't really go for those. So see, I I like I like the first two of those. Um, I'll watch Crank. Yeah, you definitely need to watch Crank. Is Crank is one of the best video game movies ever made. But no, I mean I I seriously think this is the. I mean I just again I loved him here. So you're going back to those early. Uh, uh, oh shit! Who's the guy that directed Snatch and Lockstock? Guy Ritchie. Yeah, you're going back to those early Guy Ritchie movies, but yeah, he's awesome. Who else? Who else do you like in this movie besides Statham? Who else is carrying their weight in this movie? Um, let's see here. I wish we had gotten more uh, Kurt Russell. Yes. Uh, there's there's never enough enough Kurt Russell ever, no matter what movie. He's in, in Seven, he gets like a nice little action sequence, and this one he's pretty much yeah he, talking. Yeah, he didn't really get much. I was really glad that they gave uh, Roman uh, Tyrese Gibbs uh, Tyrese. I was really glad that they gave Tyrese his little hero moment on the ice. I agree. Uh, because otherwise, like, you know, he's fine as comic relief. 
He gets uh, honestly, I get tired of Tyrese sometimes. He, there, I, I, I have kind of too, but he had he had some of the better comic moments uh, of his entire run in this series uh, in this one uh, than he than he has in the past. Uh, but having you know having that moment where he takes out the three guys with the snowmobiles yeah. is a reminder. Oh yeah, this guy can actually you know he serves do a stuff. purpose. Right. He's not just know. here to spout out bad one-liners. Right. Uh, because, I mean, as as the movies have increasingly moved away from racing, you know, it's just kind of like, well, okay, well, why? I mean, he drives well, you know, but you don't really get to see him do that much uh, in these. So, then, you know, I was glad that they gave, uh, glad that they gave them uh, in that. One thing that I will say is I, I really wish that they had kept the reveal of of Dom's son and Elena mm-hmm. uh, to much later in the film. Really? Why is that? I, I think they do it too. I think they do it too early because I think of how much, how much cooler that would have been, how much more tension there would have been throughout the film. Uh, you know, where you're thinking, Oh wow, maybe he really has turned. No, no one's going to believe that. No, but, but see uh, it, of course you, of course you know that, what? but it's just, I, I I don't know. I I think they should have uh they should have dragged that out a little I'm bit longer. I'm not long. sure it could be dragged out that dragged out that long because there's a lot of what's there's a lot of the audience asking what's really going on in this movie, especially when he has his little rendezvous with Helen Mirren, and they purposely keep some of keep the audience in the dark about what's happening there. And you know, if movies wait too long, and this is a long movie before they start revealing their hand, I think that can be a problem. It could it could have been I'm you know I won't deny that but I still think that it it could have benefited from a little bit more mystery. I I was really surprised that they uh, went the route of that they did uh, with Elena and and the kid. Like at first it was oh okay they kidnap uh, <laughs> they they kidnap Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster's right. son I, I and that's was, how they're going to bring Jordana Brewster in for a cameo. I was worried that that's what it was going to be. They're like, oh, we're never going to see Paul Walker, but we're going to see like surveillance footage of his house and it's going to get blown up if Vin doesn't turn. And I'm glad it wasn't that. This is better. I it's a little bit better. It's, it's a lot soured, better. It's soured by the way that uh, they kill off Elena. And then literally yeah, never talk about it. There's also a little bit of outrage about that too. Not as much as there is about Han, but the fact like they, that Elena like dies and no one seems to much care. Actually, that's the guy that the that's who the Rock should be most upset about. Um, right. There's the one stinger that hints that him and Eva Mendez work together and stuff, but it's actually Elena who you see working with uh, Rock during the movies proper. Right during and he, Fast and he Five. He doesn't care. No one seems to care. She's gone. Yeah, she's, it's she's just really purely a plot point in this movie, not a yeah. character. And and being that she's one of the few women characters in the saga, especially since Gal Gadot died, that's been a problem for some people as well. Yeah, it was just I don't know, it was just really weirdly handled because you know she's made out to be this big deal and has these really emotional scenes, and then you know Dom doesn't ever mention her. Like literally, I mean, she might as well not exist. So I don't I, know. I mean, th- again, this would be more upsetting, I think, in a more serious movie. Right. And again, you if, called if it. It's just a huge. These movies are just took... soap operas. They're just soap operas with with hundred million dollar action scenes in them. They literally are. They they really really are. And that's you know, I think that's something that people forget. Uh, you know, is that these are just absurd popcorn dramas. I think you can make the argument. You know, they brought her back, and they treated her reveal as a big surprise. I agree. 
the character wasn't treated with the utmost respect in this movie, but how many other franchises would they even bother with bringing a minor character like that back over and over and over again? Almost none. Right. And, and Elena's been in like four films at this point. So I guess you could argue it both ways. Um, I liked seeing her in the film. I liked, I liked that they got Tormund from Game of Thrones. The, I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, do the redheaded guy who is Cyphers. Right. I liked that they got him. I liked seeing the, the, the bros from, uh, four and five show up. The, the two guys that were on their team in those movies, they get their little cameos. See, those uh, guys are my least favorite part of Fast Five, so well, I was glad they were in that's it why as, they got as good cut. as they were. That's why they're not really in these movies anymore. But I, but again, if you're in this series, you're never really forgotten. Right. And 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 I appreciate that. So Han comes back from the dead in the next movie, right? Or it's his twin brother. You know, that's what, that's what I've been trying to think of. Is that I will see Han again one way or the other. I just yeah, I can't decide. Well, if it's like twins or uh, hell, which, at this point he could be a clone, and we would totally roll with this, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing: if you read the interviews that are sort of what's the name of the guy who writes all these movies? Uh, Chris Morgan. Yeah. If you read Chris Morgan's been doing the interview rounds, and he keeps saying that you know they strongly considered how the memory of Han was treated in this movie, and that's going to be addressed in future installments. And that people may be surprised what what they still have to unveil unveil about Han's character and things that could still come out. And it's like I'm really not sure if they were thinking that way when they made this movie. But I, now, but now no, that but now that Justice for Han is trending, I feel like they're almost forced into addressing it in a bigger manner. And who knows what ludicrous stuff is going to come out of that. I just want Lucas Black to come back. And it's the perfect reason to bring Lucas Black back, too. If, 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 if Han or the memory of Han or anything regarding Han plays any part, work out that scheduling. Get Lucas Black back. I need my, my bad acting white boy who's not Scott Eastwood in these movies. And that person is Lucas Black. Now, what if, what if, and let's get crazy here. What if now that Jason Statham is on the team, once Lucas Black finds out that it was Jason Statham who killed Han, and now he's part of the the family, that Lucas Black becomes the villain. I would pay $180 to see that film. Oh, God, I, I want that to happen. It's, I'm going to be disappointed when that doesn't uh, happen now. I, I couldn't even begin to imagine or describe how excited I would be if such an occurrence... <laughs> If it's such ridiculous. an event would occur, it would be amazing. There's no such thing as ridiculous, too ridiculous to the series. No, no of course thing. not. Because, no again, thing. I've said this before, but I'll reiterate it, especially now that Chris Morgan has said it's a possibility. This, These guys, they're going to space at some point. Over the next two movies, somehow there will be drag racing in space. Like, I don't care if they're using, like, NOS-powered buggies on the moon. It's gonna happen. Did you because notice, like go on? I don't go like I don't I don't know where you go from here. Like after outracing a nuclear sub. I mean, you just got. I don't think they necessarily have to go bigger. They just have to come up with new creative action sequences. It's the same thing with the Mission Impossible series. They don't necessarily have to go bigger every time. They just have they to give do, me. Though. That's I, the I thing. don't think they have. They just have to give me something I've never seen before. Honestly, I would actually be okay with a smaller ninth movie. I would be too, but it's never gonna happen. No, it probably won't. I almost think, like, I always say that, um, 
the James Bond movies should go smaller. I always say that the James, they, I always say they should hire the John Wick guys or one of them to do a James Bond and just make a kick-ass, very plot light, uh, 90 or 100 minute James Bond movie. And there's part of me that almost feels that way about Fast and Furious, like the plotting's getting too big, the run times are getting too big. But I don't want to quite, uh, but I, I just don't think you can do it with this series. With Bond, you can do it. With this, it is what it is. They're just going to get bigger and louder, and I don't think that's going to change. But I but I know what you're saying, because sometimes I do feel like, how cool would it be with a, a Fast and Furious movie, maybe where they cut Roman and Tej, and just have it a sort of smaller revenge thriller with Vin, you know? I, I think that could work. I just, I don't think fans of the series would like it. Have just one more movie where it's about racing again, in in some way. You know what, though? I hear a lot of complaints about that. Oh, this, this series isn't about racing anymore. And people laugh. Haha, it's this big international espionage action series now. Remember when it was just about racing? But they pretty routinely, I feel like, find ways to get street racing back in these movies or at least pay tribute to how the series started. There's street, well, yeah. there's street racing in six. There's a street, street racing sequence that opens this one. I think it's always kind of been there. I mean, they've gone beyond. It, it They're has. bigger now, but it's it's been there. They're firing the NOS can. I love the beginning of this, the bit where he's rigging his <laughs> NOS canister to get two fires out of it with the bottle cap, with the bottle, with the pop tab, the beer tab. Great stuff. <laughs> that's great stuff. And that's something that would have fit at home in Too Fast, Too Furious. All right, here's my ranking, Stu. Uh, Fast Five is the best. Followed by Seven. Seven just gets me emotionally. It's just such a perfect send-off for an actor who unfortunately died. I get all the feels. Uh, then Six. Those are really the three best. Five, Seven, and Six. And the Tokyo Drift and the new one are really close to me. Close for me. Um, I have a hard time picking between those two. And then One and Two, and then Four is the worst, clearly. Clearly? Really, Bob? Clearly? Yeah, oh, yeah. Fast and Furious is not a good movie. It's the only one of this entire saga that I just like, it's not a good movie. Like, the first two aren't great, but for what they are, they're entertaining. There's some stuff that works in them. The cast is fun. I don't have a lot of fun watching four. All right, see, I'll, I'll give my ranking, and then I'll just completely rebut you here. Okay. Uh, five at the top, and then uh, Tokyo Drift. Uh, six, seven, and eight are tied. Uh, seven, I would, I would rank seven higher. It's not really the movie's fault, but I mean, you can definitely tell it's a stilted movie, uh, just it because is. of what happened. But again, I just love the action sequences in it. And, oh yeah, and no, then, the action and then sequences they nail are, the ending. The action sequences are great, and the ending is better than I could have ever hoped for. Okay. Uh, but it's still just as a movie, it's just not as good as it could have been. Um, so seven and eight are tied, and then uh, the first one. And then uh, Fast and Furious followed, and then, no, Too Fast is at the bottom. Too too Fast is, so here's my problem here. Too Fast is dumb as hell, so I'm not going to die on a hill for this movie, but. Fast and Furious is, it's too dour for its own good. Yes. Uh, I will fully admit to that, but it at least has a couple of really super fun sequences, like the race through traffic to try to get into Braga's crew. Uh, is great. It's a lot of fun. It's well staged. Uh, and then the the video game esque mineshaft chase uh, at the very end is the effects great. are so dodgy on that though. Uh, sure, but they're not. They're having rewatched all of these movies uh, in the lead up to eight. 
they're not as dodgy as the CGI and speed ramping in Too Fast. Too Fast is an ugly movie. Like, it's just, it's one of the worst lit, worst shot uh, action movies I've ever watched. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot believe that this was made by, an at one point, very talented John Singleton. Uh, it's just, it's garish. It's, it's just, it's. It's just bad. It's terribly written. Um, it's just, it's just bad, bad. You bad. got Cole Hauser as maybe one of the stronger villains in the series. That maybe. is one of the few points that I will give it in its favor. The rat with the in the pale bit is a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's just not. It's just boring. It's and just there's no Vin. Exactly. You really miss Vin, even though the the. Uh, Thinly veiled gay bromance between Paul Walker and Tyler. <laughs> I don't think it's that thinly veiled, but yeah, um, the the gayest of the saga by far. And these movies are yeah. very gay, but right, too fast is super gay. <laughs> so uh, again, another thing to love about this franchise. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, you know, Fast Fast Five is still the best. Um, the wanton utter destruction in that movie is another reason why I'm not necessarily phased by, uh, you know, them accepting, uh, Jason Statham. Like these are, how much damage did they do? How many lives did they ruin? Right. Well, like you said that, up front, these are not great people. Most of well, them are criminals, and that's the thing, collateral that's the thing damage. Like, that money, they didn't like give it to poor people or like help anyone. <laughs> they kept it. Of course they did. They gave a little bit to Vince's, uh, to Vince's widow, but it's like, they, they destroyed, you know, a good portion of Rio for self-enrichment. It's like, that's awful. Alright, Stu, when, when Han's body is exhumed and turned half cyborg, we will reconvene to talk about Fast and Furious 9. Hell yeah. Until then, thank you for being on the show. Thank you everyone oh, for I- listening. Uh, you can find us online at Cult Spark on Facebook at Cult Spark. Uh, like us and review us on iTunes, and maybe we'll be back to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in a couple weeks. That, that might be a nice date to set. Until then, drive safe, kids. 